Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Rookie Mistakes. Today was a very important day because I finally got to do one of the things that I had set out to do during my time here in Tokyo. I just got back from the robot restaurant, and before I get into what that is, I thought I'd give a little background as far as my motivations for traveling and for going to Tokyo. I didn't have many people I looked up to growing up when it came to celebrity figures or professional athletes. But once I graduated from college, I would say the three people I looked up to most and the ones that have sort of steered me in the direction that I'm on now as far as what I want to do with my life. The three people were are Joe Rogan, Casey Neistat, and Anthony Bourdain. Joe Rogan is a big influence on me as far as why I wanted to get into podcasting for making videos. That's Casey. And then for traveling was definitely Anthony Bourdain. I started watching Parts Unknown on Netflix after I graduated, and that was something that I quickly devoured. I think there were eight seasons on Netflix, and I just went through them so fast. Really, really enjoyed that show, and I really enjoyed his storytelling. One of the first episodes I actually did watch was the episode on Tokyo, and for those that haven't seen this episode... It opens up with Anthony Bourdain in the background doing a voiceover and showing different parts of Tokyo. And then it cuts to this robot restaurant. And what this robot restaurant is, kind of like what it sounds like, it's a show with robots in it. It's not actually a restaurant, but it's this hour and a half long show. Just some of the craziest, most random things that you could ever see. Only in only in Japan, this would be something you could see. You would never imagine this would exist anywhere else in the world. Just the most unique and just uncommon things that you wouldn't think go together. Lights, loud noises, robots, anime figures, girls singing, dancing, robot battles, just all these crazy things, right? And so he shows this show in this episode and it's showing his reaction to this show. And I just thought it was one of the coolest things in the world. I instantly gravitated towards the idea of traveling to Tokyo specifically. Even throughout the rest of the episode, he explored so many just unique and weird little things about Tokyo. A lot of the underground things that you normally wouldn't get from the culture looking at it at a surface level. And that is one reason why I wanted to go to Tokyo. And then another reason for Tokyo was watching this show on Netflix once again called Terrace House, which I started watching, I think also after I graduated from college and just seeing Tokyo and seeing the rest of Japan in these episodes, it really made me have a strong interest in Tokyo because as I've mentioned, I think last episode, it just seemed like a place that would really go well with my personality and what I like about a place. Those two things were a big reason why I wanted to go to Tokyo and then especially I really wanted to see the robot show because I think that was the first thing I ever really experienced of Japanese culture even though you can't really say it's cultural right but that was like the first thing that really wowed me and made me be like wow that's something I need to do when I travel that was out of any country in the world that was the first thing I saw and I was like this is something I'm going to do if I ever get the chance to go to Tokyo so I finally got to do that today and wow what an experience we went at 3 30 in the afternoon today they have three shows 
every single day and you get there and you go up to this waiting room. It's really colorful. There's a lot of lights. There's couches everywhere. It's a bar and there's a piano. There was a guy dressed up in a robot costume playing the piano. So that was very cool to see. It almost felt like the best way I could put it. It felt like a room that could be in the Fifth Element movie, if anyone's ever seen that movie. That's what it felt like. And you could buy alcoholic drinks and we just had to wait until the show started. So once the show was ready, we went downstairs. We went like really far down into a basement and the show opens up with his insane drum solo. And then there's a bunch of drummers. I was just amazed at the start of the show. It definitely was an adrenaline rush seeing this. It was extremely loud. Absolutely loved it. Got me super hyped up, full of energy. I thought it was the greatest thing ever. And then after that part of the show, because I guess what I didn't know going into it because the show was supposed to be an hour and a half, right? The show was four parts and in between each part, there is an intermission. So after this first part with the drums, I'm looking around at everyone's faces. And I was also looking at everyone's faces as this first part was taking place. And it was one of the funniest things I've seen in a while because seeing this, the faces of these people, these people just visiting Tokyo, right? These are just, you know, your everyday people that are probably on vacation, just tourists, you know, and they had, some of them had looks of horror on their faces. Some of them just had looks of shock. Like, what did I just get myself into? What is going on right now? I think people were a lot more surprised at what this show was than I was. For whatever reason, I just thought it was completely normal. Maybe because I already knew kind of what to expect from watching the Parts Unknown episode, but I was totally digging it and everyone's face, man, it, <laughs> it was quite the quite the sight to see. So that part happened and then the show goes on. I don't really want to spoil it, so I'm not going to get too much into it. But then there is the different robots in the show. There is some sequences with fights with these robotic animals. They had dinosaurs, they had a lobster, they had different bugs. And then it was like the bugs in the nature versus the robots because it was supposed to be like a futuristic theme. And then they ended the show with just a song where they all came out. I think it started out with, what was it? It was my walk-up song actually in college and I'm blanking on it. My senior year. What was it? dun 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 don't believe me, just... Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's on the tip of my tongue. I can't... Freaking Bruno Mars, come on. Uptown Funk, yes, there we go. Yeah, Uptown Funk, one of my walk-up songs, probably with the longest I've ever had for a walk-up song. I had that, I think, my entire senior year. So should have remembered that a lot quicker, but I didn't. But yeah, so they, they started it off playing Uptown Funk and then all of them were just dancing and singing. And they were on, once again, some of the robots and dancing. And it was just a good time. I will say overall, the experience, I don't think lived up to what I was expecting. I, I would say that I probably had too high of expectations going into it because once again, seeing that episode of Parts Unknown and then finally seeing it in person wasn't as good. I think also I just watched the Parts Unknown clip of when he's at the robot restaurant and the show is different than it was today. If I had to hazard a guess, I would say that they probably don't have as high of a budget as they used to because the episode of Parts Unknown was in 2014. So it's been four years and I it just it just seemed like it wasn't as long and it seemed like it was a little bit watered down compared to the episode, but it was still a really good experience. 
I would definitely recommend doing it. I think part of the problem also was that, to me at least, it felt like in the first part of the show, they really started off with like a really big high, generally with anything, whether it's like a, a book, a movie, a story, a song, whatever it may be, right? It, it starts small and it generally builds up, right? Like think of a song, how it builds and builds, and then it finally you get that drop, right? And then think of the song where you're expecting this insane, awesome drop, and then it's just terrible, right? There's songs like that, and you're just like, wow, that was really, really underwhelming and disappointing. That's kind of how the show went. I feel like you just got this huge adrenaline rush in the in the first part of the show, and then you get this adrenaline dump, right? Where you're kind of like, wow, what did I just see? And then they don't really build it up again to that level of part one. One other thing I didn't really like about the show was that it said it was an hour and a half, but because it was broken up into four parts and there were intermissions between every single one, the show was probably only 40 minutes, 40 to 45 minutes. And then the rest of the time, it was just intermission, which was kind of nice because you could go to the bathroom if you needed or get drinks, but it just seemed like they were trying to sell you things in between whether that was alcohol or food so that kind of sucked as well once again i could just imagine that they probably just don't make as much money and it's not as popular as it used to be something something must be up because it just didn't seem the same as it did in anthony Bourdain's parts unknown which is a little bit sad but i finally got to do it i'm really happy i did it it was 48 dollars per ticket word of advice if you are going to go to this robot restaurant and once again remember it's not an actual restaurant it's just called a robot restaurant and you're just going for the show but if you are going to do it the actual price if you buy your tickets through the robot restaurant it's 8000 yen which is in the 70 US dollar range but if you buy your tickets online through a website i used voyagen that would be the site you'd want to use you can get discounted tickets so the tickets ended up being $48 each which is pretty drastic difference in price the only thing is you'd have to go to the show at 4 p.m. which is the one we went to that's the only thing and there weren't that many people either so you don't have to really worry about it being too crowded or worry about getting tickets for the day you're going. We did go on a Monday as well. So I think that has something to do with it. So maybe don't go on a weekend if you can help it. But we also paid for priority seats. So I paid an extra $9 per ticket to get priority seats. And that really wasn't needed. The place isn't that big. There's only three rows of seats. So I don't recommend doing priority seats. If I could do it all over again, I would just buy the tickets for the $48 and you literally could have a seat in any row in that place in any area of the seating and you'd be able to see perfectly. So there really is no reason to pay additional money for the priority seating. So definitely skip that. So that was the robot restaurant. One of the things to check off my bucket list. It's finally been done. I love that. So that's the robot restaurant. One more thing I will say about that. I have never done psychedelic drugs. Don't plan on doing them ever. But I think that show at the robot restaurant is probably the closest thing you'll ever get to having a psychedelic experience without actually doing any type of drug because it's just so out there. The lights, you have the lasers shooting everywhere. You have the, the smoke machines. You have the robots fighting. It's just a crazy experience. Definitely check it out. It's one of a kind. You'll never experience anything like it again it's the most unique and weird show in the history probably of the world maybe not you know what i didn't live that far back so you know you can't really say that for human history but you could say it for today so i'll just say it for today it's the weirdest and mo most unique 
crazy, fun, exciting, just out of this world show you will see anywhere in the world. So that's my stamp of approval. Definitely check it out. As far as the rest of this episode goes, didn't really plan anything today. Unfortunately, I'm trying to go to the fish market tomorrow, so it's a little bit late as always as I'm recording these episodes. I just can't get doing it at an earlier time, but I was going to do another travel guide. That seems to be what I'm doing these days. Every single episode is becoming a travel guide, which isn't good. It's making this into a travel podcast technically, which I don't want, but the travel guides that I have left to do as far as some of the countries go, there are travel guides that I think I could do a really good job with, and they're going to take two to three hours to really type out an outline so that I can give the best advice possible for these countries. So I didn't think it would be wise to do one then today because I don't want to just give half effort and for it not to be as good. So since I'm not going to be doing that, I figured I only have three weeks left, a little over three weeks left in Tokyo before this journey comes to an end. So What I'm thinking once I get home, right, because it's back to reality, oh, there goes gravity. Is that the line? Eminem? Yeah, I think that's it. But yeah, back to reality. So I thought what I would do is think of a few episodes, a handful of episodes, essentially, where it's going to be its own little series. It'll still be within the podcast, but it's going to be its own little series. And I thought I would do each week. I'd start out with my motivations for why I started traveling and then I thought I'd do like a next episode to be what I learned and then what I think the benefits are of traveling alone for, you know, X amount of time, at least for a long period of time. And then I thought I'd do like my favorite countries and why, my least favorite countries and why. And I would just do like a whole little series so that if anyone else wants to do this with their life, if they want to take some time, maybe you just graduated from high school, you want to take a gap year, which Honestly, it was probably the best way to go about it now. If you have the money to, I would definitely recommend doing it that way. Maybe after you graduate from college, you want to take a year off before you start working. Or maybe you're like me and you were already in the workforce and you said, hey, screw this. Can't sit in an office any longer. And you decide to quit your job to travel. So I thought there's a lot that I can help you with. There's a lot of growing pains I had to go through. There was a lot of things that I didn't know, a lot of mistakes that were made, a lot of fears that didn't end up coming to fruition. And I think this is all insight that can help you and hopefully maybe even push you to do it. If you're on the if you're on the edge, right? Maybe you don't know whether or not you want to do it. Maybe you need that last push to do it. So that could help. And then also I can save you a lot of money because if I could do this this 10 months that I've done, I think yeah, 10 months it'll be. If I could do this 10 months all over again, I think I could probably have saved just knowing what I know now, I probably could have saved it three to $5,000, which really pains me to say that because that's a lot of money. But there's a lot of things, whether it was just things that I bought that I didn't need or wasting money, whether that was missing uh, like a plane or a train, having to buy a new ticket or just making mistakes with booking things or not planning things out properly or having to spend extra money on a place to stay. All these types of things. There's tons of mistakes that I made. That'll be another episode, I think. That'll be, that could be its own episode, like mistakes made while traveling, biggest mistakes, right? things to look out for. So I think that will be hopefully very helpful. And then I'm going to have to finish all these travel guides for all the places I have been. And then I will get back to what this podcast is supposed to be. It's really funny. I've been thinking a lot lately about how I really do feel like I have something 
to offer to people in terms of value for traveling, we'll just use as the example. I think that was one of my worries and it still is a worry in the back of my head sometimes is, and I, and I think people can relate to this. It's like, you think that you really don't have anything to offer people. Maybe you think, why would anyone listen to me or what do I have to offer to people to where it could help them with whatever it may be. It doesn't have to just be about travel. It could be about anything, but it is pretty amazing to me and cool that after these 10 months, I really do feel like there are things that I could tell people that would be really helpful to them with traveling, especially when it comes to food. I will say, I think that's my bread and butter, baby. It's the the restaurants in some of these countries I've been to, some of these cities. I got you all covered on the restaurants. That's going to be my claim to fame is the restaurants. And I think that is one thing that I have learned about myself is the constant in every country I've been throughout this ten, these 10 months, the constant has always been food for me. And that was something when I started traveling, I didn't really know the direction I wanted to take. What was I going to be posting on Instagram or what was I going to do with videos? What was I going to do in the future? And the thing that I've enjoyed most with traveling, obviously seeing, you know, everything, going to these new places, having these new experiences, meeting these people, it's all great. But the thing that's always been the thing that I've enjoyed most is exploring the food scenes in all of these countries, not just the local food scene, but the international food scene too. That's really more what I've cared about is I like to I like to go to a place and I want to see like what's the best Mexican food, what's the best Italian food, where's the best pizza, where's the best burger, where's the best like traditional restaurants for the the cuisine of that country, that that too. But I like to really map out all these places and then going to these restaurants and eating the food and trying to order as much as you can within your budget and only eating once a day. So it's like this kind of ritual you get to do every day where right, you're only eating once. So you really look forward to eating and you're excited about trying these new places. That's really been the thing that I've enjoyed the most. And I think that's the direction I want to take. I'm really excited to go back to LA because one of the things I realized pretty quickly is just how great of a resource LA is when it comes to food because LA is an amazing food city. We have all the best food you can imagine from all the different cuisines. And I think there's just so many places that it would be a great city to just be in and being able to live there like I do, being able to just go to all these different restaurants and try new places. And hopefully I think that's the direction I'm going to take with videos, at least on YouTube initially, is exploring different restaurants. That to me I think is where I've really found, I don't know if you want to call it your my calling, but that's the thing I enjoy and that's the thing that really gets me excited. So that's the thing I really want to do. Hopefully that will start to work out. That's another thing I've realized and something that's been discouraging. I haven't really taken much video, like as I've mentioned in previous podcasts, the, the whole video recording thing. And I, de- I did that as well in Kyoto. One thing I noticed is just how difficult it is to film not not even thinking about what to film or thinking of an outline building a story and getting specific shots and thinking of the different amounts of time you need a shot for like what angle all these different camera settings all this right just the simple fact of carrying a camera around and recording it is pretty at least for me it's pretty tough because on the one hand you're trying to 
figure out what would be entertaining for people to see. But you're also not really fully present when you are recording and it's hard to experience a place while you're recording it. And I think the mistake I made in Kyoto, I recorded a lot actually, and it was not vlogging or anything like that, but it was just recording. Once again, it's getting used to having a camera out, this big contraption, having it attached to a, a gorilla pod and freaking carrying this big thing around and having people get you and all this all these things it's just getting used to that and i would constantly be filming i would film so many different things and i think the mistake was and why it was so kind of exhausting and just not a fun experience was because i was trying to record so many different things and i was trying to record every second of the experience that i think that's the wrong approach what I think I need to do and what I would recommend, and once again, I don't have much experience yet doing this, but I think it's more you need to be more specific in what you're trying to record. And it's more about getting shots, whether that's 10 seconds or 20 seconds, maybe even five seconds, right? It's about getting these small little snippets and building a video. It's not so much about getting like the whole experience because I was walking around with my camera and I'm just feeling myself walking around for 10 minutes and that's probably not the best because you don't necessarily need to get you know yourself walking from point a to point b like five minutes of that walk you'd probably just get 10 seconds of the walk if you're going to use that and then be done and then like enjoy those other you know four minutes and 50 seconds just looking around it's not like you need to record the whole thing and so that i think is really important and something i'm going to do in the future to try out and then the second thing is like I said, I think it's really important to just get comfortable with recording. Don't even vlog, but just record if you're the type of person that feels self-conscious having a camera in your face and talking and like other people around you. I know I'm like that. It's really difficult for me. I will, I promise one day I will make a video showing my first attempts at vlogging because if I even look back to when I was first in London, I remember when I was in Cambridge, I tried to record the experience and I tried vlogging and I literally just couldn't bring myself to bring the camera out and like record myself. And then I remember looking for this very off the beaten path area of Cambridge and I was looking around and I was making sure there was no one around. And then I got my camera out and then I tried to start vlogging. There's no one around me. I'm in this secluded alleyway. And then I'm, I'm walking Walking, I'm trying to do it. I'm just in my head looking at myself like, oh my God, you're so bad. Like this is terrible. And then I remember people showing up and I instantly put the camera down and I stop and I just couldn't do it. And it was, it was one of the most cringy things ever. But even just from that point to where I'm at now, and it's not like I've done a ton of video or anything like that but even just from then to now I am a lot more comfortable having the camera out and so I think a good way to get more comfortable is just record your surroundings and record video of what you're doing but don't necessarily record yourself and even having the whole setup out can be a little overwhelming at times I even feel uncomfortable sometimes having the camera because you have this big DSLR camera out and then you have it attached to this Joby pod right or this gorilla pod which is big and it makes this it's almost like you're it's almost like you're wielding a sword you're wielding a weapon and it's your camera it's this big thing and so it really does draw attention to you especially if you have a mic too I have one of those mics on it what's the mic called a road one of those road mics you have that attached to and you have just this huge contraption so that can be uncomfortable at times so even then if you want to draw even less attention to yourself then maybe don't put it on the gorilla pod and just record 
with the camera so you're drawing less attention to yourself. That's why I'd even recommend and something I think if I could do it all over again, I might do it differently. Instead of buying a DSLR camera, I think I might instead have bought a camera more for vlogging that was a more compact camera, a lot smaller or something that would not draw as much attention to yourself and would be a lot easier to carry around. I think that's a better way to go about it because even when you're think recording in like a restaurant, for example, or in a store, that's another area where I'd be self-conscious personally because I'd be thinking, oh, this person's going to make me put my camera away and this this huge camera is drawing so much attention, right? Well, if you have a smaller camera, it's a lot less overwhelming and it's a lot less noticeable. So people will maybe not be as likely to say anything, right? Or at least maybe in your head, you're not going to think people are going to say anything. So think about doing that. I really do think looking back, I would have bought a camera for vlogging instead of the DSLR. I probably would have ended up buying a DSLR eventually because I think it is a nice thing to have the ability to, to take great photos and also take video. That's just the nice thing in general is you just have way more flexibility with what you're trying to do and then you can start to create a lens kit where you're having all these different lenses for these different occasions and it's just something that's really nice because you get a lot of variety but I would have started with the smaller compact camera mirrorless camera for vlogging specifically and then I think I would have gotten maybe a new phone specifically a phone that had a really good camera on it because at the end of the day the thing that has been the difference between taking a photo on your phone and then taking a photo on a DSLR camera. My camera isn't so expensive to the point where you're really gonna notice a difference between the quality of the image, right? If you have a really expensive DSLR camera, then you're gonna notice a difference. But when you're rocking a $700 camera like I am versus an iPhone, you're not really gonna notice that much. Maybe in editing the photo and in different situations, you'd be able to notice it because there are situations where one's gonna be better than the other, but you really could get buy with your phone. The only other thing that's better about the DSLR camera that I've noticed is that you're able to really hone in on the shot you want to get and you can cut people out of the photo because with the iPhone camera, what you see is what you get. If there's people in the photo, you're not. there's nothing you can really do. You can't really zoom in because the image isn't as good then. And the camera is in a static position, so you can't do anything to avoid having people in the photo, which is fine because most of the time when you have a photo, having people in the photo is not that big of a deal. There have been a few occasions where I have been happy that I've had a DSLR so I could zoom people out of the photo. Then also it's a lot easier to edit people out in Photoshop when you have a image from a DSLR camera. So that's nice, but I don't think it really was that necessary to have the camera that I do. And then another thing that I think is great about having a cell phone camera instead is that it's nice that you're limiting yourself because when you give yourself a lot of options in the form of a DSLR camera, whether that's the lenses or the different camera settings you have to use to get the best images, or then even using something like Photoshop or Lightroom, it opens up this whole world to you of all these different possibilities. And for a person like me, especially where I'm pretty indecisive and I'm really worried about perfection and I'm really worried about choosing the best image or whatever it may be, that's something I struggle with a lot is choosing the best image to post i'll have you know 10 of pretty much the same image very slight differences and i'll freaking sit there like which one am i gonna post i don't know which one's the best i can't decide that's just how i am and so if i just had a camera phone all these problems that i have would go away because i wouldn't have to worry about lightroom or photoshop i wouldn't have to worry about figuring out 
you know, aperture and then the ISO and all these different settings, right? To get the optimal photo, the optimal lighting. Camera phones just make it easy because you snap it and there's not much you can do. Maybe a few edits here and there in an app and then you post and you're good to go. I think it's better to start small and then work your way up instead of to maybe just jump right in and be overwhelmed if you're the type of person like me to be a little bit indecisive and you're so worried about perfection and you're just thinking of a million different things. By limiting yourself, you can't think of those million different things because they're not really a factor at all. So all these fact, all these things that are a factor with the DSLR camera aren't with the smartphone. So it's not something I would have to worry about. And I hear the Google Pixel phone was pretty amazing when it comes to the camera and then especially the new one is pretty amazing so having one of those might have been the way to go when traveling another thing too when i say this i think if you're just traveling to travel and experience the world and you're not trying to make a career out of it or become a content creator it's also better to just have your camera phone and then maybe a camera for vlogging your experiences or just like a small camera to take video of whatever you're seeing that's one thing that i kind of wish i had the opportunity opportunity to do if you know if I wasn't just making a career out of it or trying to make a career out of it then also I wouldn't have so much equipment with me I could have packed a lot lighter and I'd have a lot less with me because now I'm carrying around the podcasting stuff and then I have this camera and all the things that come with that and then my laptop all these different things that I wouldn't have had to have if I was just traveling to travel so if that is your goal nice camera phone baby and it's funny that I say camera phone. I feel like I'm feel like I'm talking about a flip phone or something. Is is that what you, you wouldn't even call it that? You just call it a smartphone with a really good camera, right? You wouldn't even say a camera phone. I sound like I'm from freaking 2006. My God. But yeah, a good smartphone and a nice little compact camera, and you're good to go with your travels. That might have been the way to go for me if I could do it all over again. Last thing I want to talk about: saw the new Fantastic Beasts movie. It was a lot better than the first one. I thought the first one personally was really bad. I did give it a pass though afterwards because I felt like the whole Fantastic Beast series is going to follow very similar to how Harry Potter was. I felt like Harry Potter was very slow to build when you go through all the movies again. And this is something I do every year, so I'm an expert, okay? I have a tradition. Every single year, all eight Harry Potter movies and I will be doing that again soon. It is December. It's Christmas time almost. That's the tradition. Gotta watch them all. But I do I do feel like with the Sorcerer's Stone and then as you get through the movies, there's not really that much action. You watch the Sorcerer's Stone, there's a little bit a little bit of action in the end of the movie. And then Prisoner of Azkaban, or no, not Prisoner of Azkaban, that's the third movie. Chamber of Secrets in the second one, and then Prisoner of Azkaban. You start to get a little more action throughout the movies. And then as the movies go on and on, there's more and more action. There's more and more magic. There's more and more fighting which I really like. So I figure that would be the case with Fantastic Beasts as well. And I do feel like that still holds to be true because I think there was a lot more action in this second movie, still not as much as I'd like, but I thought the second movie was a lot better, especially towards the end. No spoiler alerts or anything. Definitely feel like the end of the movie saved it because I was hating the movie. I was hating, man. I was a hater throughout the movie. As I'm watching this movie, I'm like, oh, this movie's so bad. Why do they have to do this? Like, it's nothing like Harry Potter. That's all I kept thinking. It's not Harry Potter. It's not Harry Potter. I want it to be Harry Potter, right? That's one of the, that's the sad, sad thing of life is when there's a good thing, people like to try and repeat it, but they do it in a different way. They like to tweak it. 
That I feel like might just be the the bad thing about Hollywood is that Hollywood likes to repeat itself with movies. You think all the new Star Wars movies, you think Fantastic Beasts, think of all the remakes that are coming out of all the old Disney movies. They're making all these live action. There's going to be a live action Lion King. There's going to be a live action Mulan, I believe. All these movies, right? It's nice because they're repeating it, but because it's always a new cast, it's a new director, it's a new producers, it's all these new writers even maybe, they all want to put their stamp on the project and they all see it from their own perspective, right? So even though it is technically the same thing, they put their own spin on it because they want to have their influence on the movie and have something out there that speaks to their vision, I guess. And so that can suck for the people that really love these things this is especially true with superhero movies a lot of the time people that just hold these things so near and dear to their hearts these superheroes or these comic books whatever it may be they hold them so close and then when these directors and these writers finally bring these things to life in movies they kind of screw them up and so you always want that that old thing and for me it was harry potter I just want I just want Fantastic Beasts to be like Harry Potter and it's not and it really bothers me. I just kept thinking throughout the movie why can't this be more in Hogwarts? I think that was my biggest complaint with the movie and this isn't spoiler alerts, don't worry. In Harry Potter, you're constantly in that magical world and then it very rarely goes into the mundane world. It very rarely goes into the the human non-magical world the muggle world, if you will. It very rarely goes into it. And then as the movies go deeper and deeper, it starts to go more into that world and the worlds start to blend more. Whereas with Fantastic Beasts, it's mostly in the the mundane and the muggle world. It's in the real world. It's the world of no magic. It takes place in those places mostly. And then it very rarely cuts into like the world of magic. And so I think that's one of the, my big problems with it. Hopefully that will change when the movies get deeper and deeper as there's more and more movies but a lot of people did critique the plot of the second move of the the second fantastic beasts saying that there's just a lot of plot holes and that i agree with it's funny i've started to watch movies now more and more like with the eyes of a critic and i'm not saying i'm like a critic or anything like that like i know what i'm talking about but i start to notice oh that's a plot hole that doesn't make sense why are they doing this here and there just all these things one more thing i thought the the kids at hogwarts in the harry potter movies freaking outshine the kids in the these these hogwarts kids in the new movies these new kids got nothing on the old ones man the the draco malfoys the hermione grangers ronald weasleys the what's the guy's name what's the what's that one guy's name that's like the cowardly character and then he's finally brave in one of the movies why can i why can i think of his name neville is it Neville? I'm looking this up. Yeah, Neville Longbottom. There's no Neville Logbottoms. You you don't have Robert Pattinson in his his youth in these new Fantastic Beasts. You have no one like that. I don't know. I just maybe maybe these movies are just never gonna be as good as Harry Potter to me. And you know what? That's all right. But I don't I don't know what else to say about it. Last complaint with Fantastic Beasts. I promise. Not really a fan of the characters. I don't know why they're all just so crap i do like jude law as dumbledore because i just like jude law and i do like eddie redmond as newt but other than that the other characters just not really a fan not really likable and a lot of the characters what happens in the second movie they just it once again plot holes doesn't really make sense didn't really explain it didn't really build it up didn't set it up to happen just things happen and you're like why did that have to happen there is really no need for that 
One thing I also, I will give credit to, I like how they blended the elements of Harry Potter. They blended some of them into this first or the second movie to give of Fantastic Beasts to give you context of things from the past that end up happening in Harry Potter. It kind of starts to make sense. And I, I mean, obviously it's uh, Fantastic Beasts took place, right? It's in the past it's before the time of harry potter because dumbledore's an old man in these harry potter movies and then you have the young and strapping jude law as dumbledore in the fantastic beast movies so it's nice to see right it's nice to see these things that happen in fantastic beasts and then in harry potter you see them big factors in the movies and big parts of the plots in some of these harry potter movies they need to bring back lord of the rings now man can, can we get that to happen really enjoy it. those are my three favorite like those are the three big things right with movies you're either a lord of the rings fan or a harry potter fan or a star wars fan one of those three is usually someone's favorite right i personally will choose harry potter over those three for me it's harry potter then lord of the rings and then star wars I'm not the biggest star wars fan but i'll watch all the movies most people i would imagine would say star wars is their favorite series but yes lord of the rings needs some sort of remake luckily they are making the amazon tv show for lord of the rings that should be coming out probably in 2050 just kidding that's not that long but it's gonna take a while for this this show it better be game of thrones worthy the budget i hear is gonna be spectacular so we can hopefully get a very good lord of the rings tv series because i love lord of the rings and we need it back in our lives so they've committed to five seasons of this lord of the rings tv series so that's promising right nice seasons hopefully we get 10 episodes each it's going to be a prequel to the lord of the rings films so that's always good yeah i can't find when it's going to come out but yeah hopefully when that comes out that should be good one other show that just started up again the last season the end of the second half of the last season is vikings just realized that started up again so watched the first two episodes of the other day i must say i was a little bit disappointed i think the last kingdom is definitely the better show now vikings has just kind of lost its edge it really isn't as good as it used to be i think if you're looking you know what here we go if you're looking to watch vikings or the last kingdom if you're trying to decide on a show with the vikings and the the norse norse mythology all that good stuff if you're deciding between vikings and the last kingdom although vikings is a great show there are so many seasons to get through and it is starting to get weaker so i would probably say hey there's only three seasons of the last kingdom and it's eight episodes eight episodes ten episodes so definitely watch the last kingdom first what a wonderful show that is i'm really bummed out that that's already over good news though there is going to be a season four of that show almost done with narcos in mexico i have four episodes left that's another one it's like you had a good thing right narcos amazing show then you come out with narcos mexico to try and continue on with the glory of narcos but you're taking it from a different point of view you're doing a different story you're essentially trying to do it over again and personally this narcos mexico show not really a big fan of this one marcos was much better and that might just be a rule in life the the things that come first are always the best and anytime you try to redo something or make something better or repeat on past glory it generally doesn't end up being good is there really anything where something second is better like if you there's a really good movie right and then they come out with a second one or a third one whatever fourth fifth when is it really ever better than the first i will say harry potter i think it's better with each movie that's the rare occasion where like think of that there's eight movies 
and I personally think each movie got better and better with as each one went along. Rocky is another good example. The movies, or at least some of the movies are better than the first movie. That's debatable though. That's a, that's a heated conversation for people. But yeah, I can't really think of Zoolander. Classic movie, right? Great film. Loved it. Hilarious. One of the best comedy movies for me growing up. That one's a cult classic. That one's a classic comedy for my age bracket of 26. And the second one, not as good. What other movies are there with sequels? Let's look. The Matrix. There's the Matrix series. I personally didn't think The Matrix Reloaded was that bad, but you know what? Maybe others did. It's all these like quick money grabs, man. Transformers, those, oh, they just keep remaking those movies. I don't know how they keep getting made. I know they make a ton of money, so that's why, but those movies are just awful. They just get so, they just get worse and worse, and the movies seem to get longer too. They're making the, the Bumblebee movie. That's going to be its own movie coming out, so they're continuing on with the whole Transformers world. That might be the worst series of movies, I think, out of all of them. Transformers, right? You have your Harry Potters, your Star Wars, your Lord of the Rings, and then you have Transformers. And Transformers is just crap. My God, terrible series. Oh, Taken, perfect example, right? Taken, amazing movie. Not amazing movie, personally, but people love Taken. Taken 2, awful movie. Another one, though, that is good is John Wick that second movie not as good as the first in my opinion but still a pretty good movie the equalizer love that movie one of my favorite action movies in the last few years and then the equalizer too wasn't as good to me they just still still did good right still successful but not as good as the first it's a very rare man it's very hard to repeat past success in anything sports movies tv shows everything and i think that is going to be the end of my rant on movies and tv shows i apologize for that so i think that's going to be the end of the episode thank you all for listening if you enjoyed the episode please subscribe to the podcast leave a review that would be awesome i think next week episode will be a travel guide it will be a awesome one look out for that i think it'll probably be one of the best travel guides that i've come out with because this city that i was in i was there for three weeks so i'm not gonna not going to say what city it was yet, but this one, this is the hidden gem I mentioned in the Prague Travel Guide episode. This city is the hidden gem of Europe. Not many people know about it, so I'm going to be putting it out there into the universe now. Thankfully, not a lot of people listen to this podcast. You guys are going to be the lucky ones to hear about this place, and hopefully you'll get to go there before this podcast blows up to 50 million listeners, and then everyone's going to this city. So I'm warning you guys now, make sure you listen, look out for it. Thank you all for listening. Hope everyone has a great week this week, and I will see you all next week. Peace out.